Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless, get ready, lean in, and watch what the Lord is about to do. The book of Leviticus. It's the third book of the Bible, and it's set right after the exodus of the Israelites from their slavery, when God brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai and invited Israel into a covenant relationship. Now, they had quickly rebelled and broke that covenant. And God had wanted for his glorious presence to come and live right in the midst of Israel in the form of this tabernacle. But Israel's sin has damaged the relationship. So at the end of the previous book, Exodus, Moses, as Israel's representative, could not even enter God's presence in the tent. The book of Leviticus opens by reminding us of this fundamental problem. It says, the Lord called to Moses from the tent. So the question is, how can Israel, in their sin and selfishness, be reconciled to this holy God? That's what this book is all about, how God is graciously providing a way for sinful, corrupt people to live in his holy presence. Now, let's pause for a second and explore this really important idea that God is holy. It's fundamental to understanding this book. The word holy means simply to be set apart or unique. And in the Bible, God is set apart from all other things because of his unique role as the creator of all, as the author of life itself. And so if God is holy, then the space around God is also holy. It's full of his goodness and his life and purity and justice. So if Israel, who is unjust and sinful, wants to live in God's holy presence, they too need to become holy. Their sin has to be dealt with. Thus, the book of Leviticus. Now, the book has a really amazing symmetrical design. It explores the three main ways that God helps Israel to live in his presence. The outer sections are descriptions of the rituals Israel was to practice in God's holy presence. The next inner sections focus on the role of Israel's priests as mediators between God and Israel. And inside of that are two matching sections that focus on Israel's purity. And then right here at the center of the book, there's a key ritual, the Day of Atonement, that brings the whole book together. The book concludes with a short section where Moses calls on Israel to be faithful to this covenant. Let's dive into the book. The first section explores the five main types of ritual sacrifices that Israel was to perform. Two of these were ways that an Israelite could say thank you to God by offering back to God these symbolic tokens of what God has first given them. Three other sacrifices were different ways of saying sorry to God. So here an Israelite would offer up the lifeblood of an animal while confessing that their sin has created more evil and death in God's good world. But instead of destroying this person, God, of course, wants to forgive them. And so this animal symbolically dies in their place and atones, which means it covers for their sin. And so through these rituals, the Israelites were constantly being reminded of God's grace, but also of his justice and of the seriousness of their evil and its consequences. The second set of rituals lays out the seven annual feasts of Israel. And each of these retold a different part of the story about how God redeemed them from slavery in Egypt and brought them through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And by celebrating these feasts regularly, Israel would remember who they were and who God was to them. Now, the sections about Israel's priests, you have Aaron and his sons first ordained to enter into God's presence on behalf of Israel. And then in this matching section, we find the qualifications for being a priest. The priests were called to the highest level of moral integrity and ritual holiness because they represented the people before God, but then also represented God to the people. Now, we find out why the priest's holiness matters so much back here in this first section. Right after the family of Aaron was ordained, two of his sons waltz right into God's presence and flagrantly violate the rules. And so they are consumed by God's holiness on the spot. It's a haunting reminder of the paradox of living in God's holy presence because it's pure goodness, but it becomes dangerous to those who rebel and insult God's holiness. And so it's important that Israel's priests become holy 
and also that all of the people of Israel become holy, which is what the next intersections are all about. Chapters 11 through 15 are about the ritual purity required of all the Israelites, and chapters 18 through 20 are about the moral purity of the people. Here's what's underneath all of this purity and impurity language. Because God is holy and he's set apart, the Israelites need to be in a state of holiness themselves when they enter into his presence. This was called being clean or pure. God's presence was off limits to anybody who was not in a holy state, and this was called being unclean or impure. Now, an Israelite could become impure in just a few ways, by contact with reproductive body fluids, by having a skin disease, by touching mold or fungus, or by touching a dead body. Now, for the Israelites, all of these were associated with mortality, with the loss of life, which gets us to the core symbol of all these ideas. You become impure when you're contaminated by touching death so to speak. And death is the opposite of God's holiness because God's essence is life. Now this is really key. Simply being impure was not sinful or wrong. Touching these kinds of things was a normal part of everyday life. And impurity was a temporary state. It just lasted a week or two and then it's over. What was wrong or sinful was to waltz into God's presence carrying these symbols of death and impurity on my body. Don't do that. Now, the last way of becoming impure was by eating certain animals, and the kosher food laws are found right here in this section. Now, there have been lots of theories about why certain animals were considered impure and off-limits to promote hygiene or to avoid cultural taboos. The text just isn't explicit. But the basic point of all of these chapters is really clear. Altogether, these work as an elaborate set of cultural symbols that reminds Israel that God's holiness was to affect all areas of their lives. This corresponding section over here is about Israel's moral purity. The Israelites were called to live differently than the Canaanites. They were to care for the poor instead of overlooking them. They were to have a high level of sexual integrity, and they were to promote justice throughout their entire land. Now here at the center of the book, we find a long description of one of Israel's annual feasts, the Day of Atonement. Odds are that not every Israelite's sin and rebellion would be covered through the individual sacrifices. And so once a year, the high priest would take two goats. One of these would become a purification offering and atone for the sins of the people. And the other was called the scapegoat. The priest would confess the sins of Israel and symbolically place them on this goat, and then it would be cast out into the wilderness. Again, this is a very powerful image of God's desire to remove sin and its consequences from his people so that God can live with them in peace. The book concludes with Moses calling Israel to be faithful to all of the terms of the covenant. And he describes the blessings of peace and abundance that will result if Israel obeys all of these laws. He also warns them that if they're unfaithful and dishonor God's holiness, it will result in disaster and ultimately exile from the land promised to Abraham. Now, if you want to see how Leviticus fits into the big storyline, it's helpful to look at the first sentence of the next book of the Bible, Numbers. It begins, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent. So we can see that Moses is now able to enter God's presence on behalf of Israel. The book of Leviticus, it worked. So despite Israel's failure, God has provided a way for their sin to be covered so that God can live with sinful people in peace. And that's what the book of Leviticus is all about. All right. Y'all enjoyed that? One of the things about the book of Leviticus, what, what kind of stands out to you? Just raise your hand. What stands out to you uh, uh, about the explanation of the book of Leviticus? Raise your hand. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Anyone? One guy right here. What you got? What stands out? Yep, that was very, very good. And now our sins goes on Jesus. He took our sins on himself. So you see all of this to understand what Jesus did for you is you got to see where this was coming from because it's a foreshadow of what was coming. What else? What else stood out to you by reading the book or watching this? Yes. Yeah, pure and impure. And, you know, a lot of people, they say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That really doesn't have any uh, validation for us. But that's not true. Uh, Matter of fact, Peter, uh, he quotes the scripture 
when he says God calls us to be holy as he is holy in all of our behavior actually comes from the book of Leviticus. I believe it's uh, chapter 19 and verse 2. And so also just to help you out, when Jesus was coming against the devil, uh, what he quoted was always from the first five books of the Bible is what he quoted to defeat the enemy. And, you know, just like the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, none of that has been eliminated. Uh, out of the Ten Commandments, it's still, are, should we kill anyone? No. Should we honor only God? Yes. And so there's that purity. And in Christianity today, you know, there is these sacrifices, too, for people's sin and God making a way so when you do sin, you can be forgiven. But you don't want to fall into that trap where, you know, Paul is talking about just because his grace is, a, is there for you, you're not to take advantage of it. In other words, Saul had a spirit of taking advantage of God's grace because, you know, yeah, I sinned, okay, just go kill another animal. And he said, man, you don't understand. God wants obedience. What does he want with the sacrifice? It's about your obedience. And so God wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be holy. So this book speaks all that. Anything else? Anyone else uh, stuck out to anybody? Yes. Yes, there's always a blood sacrifice. As a matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say, as well as in the New Testament, that, uh, you know, there has to be a shedding of blood when it comes to covenant. And so blood was a big deal. Uh, How many of you uh, understand that in the scripture we're told not to drink the blood? So I hate to say this, but I'm just being real. So like blood Buddha would be off limits for Christians. For real. I mean, actually, when the, in the early church, when they were determining what the Gentiles should do, when James wrote the letter, one of the things he said not to do is don't drink any blood. Because life is in the blood. And so it's a very important command in the scriptures. Anything else before I go into, yes. Yeah, you know why that is? Because no one is righteous before God. Is that true? Yeah, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's just another example where we all need God's grace uh, to stand before God. That's why we're not saved by our works. Our works are as filthy rags before God. We're saved by the grace of God and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So what I want to talk to you about tonight, something that really sticks out, the whole idea of Leviticus. So Leviticus was the, the, the tribe that was the priest. How many tribes were there? Twelve, right? So uh, Leviticus was the priestly tribe. And so this was a special tribe called, and if you saw it in the video, where they were representing the people to God, and then they were representing God to the people. And so it was about priesthood. And I want to, I wanna, we're going to go into that and we're going to talk about that today because one of the things that is a misunderstanding and a wrong doctrine in the church today is that parishioners, let's, let's say, are laymen. How many of you ever heard the word layman? Raise your hand if you heard the word layman. All right, who in here is a layman? All right, actually, you're going to find out that you're not. All right, that is a, that's actually a very negative term because what happened was, you know, you had the priesthood there and then you had the other tribes. Well, when Jesus came and when he died, he made all of us priests. And I'm going to show you that in the scriptures where we are all made priests unto the Lord. And the idea of layman actually comes from Nickelodeon, which is in Revelations when Jesus said, I hate the work of the Nickelodeons. And if you look up Nickelodeon, the root word there actually stands for laity. And so it's a concept 
that there's this hierarchy where you have a certain group that are, are the priests, and then everyone else is laity, really going back to what the old covenant was. And God says, I, I hate this because that's not how it is. Each and every one of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior has been born again into the priesthood of God. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. And so we are saints. We're not one day going to be saints. We are saints now. That's what it means. Saint means sanctified. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are sanctified not by our works. We are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And then we begin to walk out sanctification. That's a whole different thing. You're sanctified by what Jesus did on the cross. You walk out God's teachings and your life changes, and that's called sanctification. But each and every one of you are saints. You're not waiting to be a saint. You are a saint. You are set apart. You've been sanctified. You're holy. Holy means to be set apart. And, be, and the reason why this is so important, because as long as you think you're laity, then you're, you're kind of don't even recognize and realize what your real responsibilities and duties are. Because you're not laity. It doesn't exist in the kingdom of God anymore. His kingdom done away with the old covenant and many of those promises to give you better promises. That's what the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, for better promises. And these better promises are that all of you have become priests. So if you understood that you were a priest, wouldn't you walk differently? So when you think you're laity, you think that's kind of a, well, I don't really have to walk like a pastor. But actually, no, you do. Because I'm no different than you. I have a different role in the body, but the body is the priesthood. And so you are priest unto the Lord. And this is what the scripture tells us. And so we should be acting like priests. If you see me out there in a bar room drinking it up, having fun, what would you think of me? All right? Because, because here it is. No longer do I have to represent the people to God because, because I don't have to do that's That's been done away with. Because everyone comes to God through Christ. Christ is the one that represents the people to God. He's the high priest. He's the only one that has that role. However, we have the role to represent God to the people. That's why we're called ambassadors. That's why we're called witnesses. That's why we're called priests. And so hence, we have the holy priesthood. Guys, you are priests. And we need to start acting like priests. Okay? I want you to see this. 1 Peter 2.9. I, can't, I don't want to get too long on y'all tonight. It says, but you are a chosen people. This is Peter talking to all of us. Say, I am chosen. I am chosen. A what? Oh. So you are a chosen people. A what? You're a royal priesthood. Hmm. A holy nation. We're a nation within a nation. A people for God's own possession. Watch this, so that. You know what so that means? That means that's the reason. So your chosen people, a holy priesthood, a, a, a holy nation, you're God's own possession for a purpose. And this is a purpose. So that, watch this, you, mo, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. Wow. Wow. So what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be representing God to the world. To who? To those that are still in darkness. That we would proclaim his excellence and how he saved me and how my sins have been atoned for. And I've been forgiven through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
And in so doing, he made me a priest because I've been born again into the priesthood of believers. And I've been made holy by God so that I could proclaim this good news to you. Guys, it brings us back to the original purpose of mankind, to proclaim to everybody and everything about the creator, about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we are called to do. And you are a holy priesthood. Say, I am a priest. Well, here's something. Then start acting like one. Start acting like one. Every time, it's kind of like the, uh, Aaron's, Aaron's uh, sons when they went in there and they were just playing around, making, not, making light of this, God killed them. Well, God wouldn't do that today. Oh, no. He says, when you come in and you take the communion flippantly and you don't take it seriously, you're not judging yourself so you wouldn't have to be judged, the Bible says. And you're not repenting of your sins and you just take that flippantly. He says, that's why many of you are sick and a lot of you are dying. Literally, the same thing happened to Aaron's sons is what will happen to us when we come in in an unworthy manner to the Lord. When we just flippantly coming in and this thing ain't serious to us, guess what? Better get away from that person. What about Ananias and Sapphira? who thought they can lie to God and sold a piece of land and said they were going to give it all to God and then came and didn't give it all and the Lord struck them dead right where they stood. You see, this isn't preached in today's Christianity because today's Christianity, for the most part, isn't even Christianity. But you are hearing it today. Say, I am a priest of the Lord. Oh, here he goes again. Revelations. One, five, and six. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his what? That's why the blood's so important, guys. You know, Abel's blood in the book of Hebrews still cries out today. The hatred of a brother against a brother still crying out today as a testimony against people who hate their neighbor. By the way, in 1 John, it says to hate someone is the same thing as to kill someone. Interesting. It says, and he made us into a kingdom. Watch this. Priest. Say priest. Priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he created this thing called kingdom, which, by the way, is not of this realm. It's spiritual. And he said, in this kingdom, I have made you priest unto God. You are priests. I am a priest unto the Lord. Guys, this is scripture. I don't care what tradition or mom or grandpa or whatever else said. This is what scripture says. And that trumps everything. Then 1 Peter 2.5 says, since you're a priest, you also as living stones are being built up as a what? Spiritual house. Oh, here's it again. For a? Hmm. To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to realize, that as this spiritual house that we're being built into called the body, the kingdom of God, we are this holy priesthood, you and I, but we have a duty. The first one we saw is to proclaim the excellence of him who rescued us out of darkness and put us in his marvelous light. But we also have another duty, and that duty is Just like in the book of Leviticus, they offered up all these sacrifices. Sacrifices have not stopped. Just animal sacrifices have stopped. Okay, because Jesus fulfilled them all. But we, as a holy priesthood, 
still have a responsibility to continue as a priesthood to offer up sacrifices to God. But they are spiritual sacrifices, not natural sacrifices, not animal sacrifices. We're called to offer spiritual sacrifices up to the Lord. So just like in Leviticus, we now as priests have that responsibility. And, but the whole thing is to offer a spiritual sacrifice that are acceptable. Now I want to stop right here before we go further. It has to be acceptable. Not everything we do in God's name is accepted by God. It's not. When we give God, and you've heard me say this before, when, when, when we live in a way, and look, I'm very practical because the Bible is practical. Leviticus was practical. When we live in a way where we go, well, I'm going to live with, pay my bills, do what I want to do, and if I have anything left over, I'm going to give that to God, and that's how I'm going to give. Well, you might as well keep it because he don't want it. Because you're wasting your time because he won't receive that. Because that's not acceptable. Back over to Cain and Abel, that was the whole reason Abel opened up sin in his life is because he gave God leftovers instead of giving God his first and his best. Hmm. Hmm. So to come in and to just haphazardly sing a song and call it worship is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. God says, I don't receive that. Matter of fact, he even goes far as to say, if you come to give your offering, but remember someone has something against you, he says, go first, reconcile, leave it there, go reconcile or try to the best of your ability and then come back and give it And then he accepts it. Wow. Wow. So not everything we do is acceptable. This whole idea of sloppy agape is not scriptural. Why would he say, you know, acceptable, that is acceptable if there wasn't the unacceptable? There's an acceptable way to live as a priest. And there is an unacceptable way to live as a priest. Just like if you saw me living in an unacceptable way, it would, it would taint and mess up your idea of my representation of God to you. Am I right? Well, you are a priest too. So there's an acceptable way to live and there's an unacceptable way to live. That God does not receive. And the Bible is very clear about that. Extremely clear. As a matter of fact, in the book of 1 John, it said it's completely obvious. It's obvious. Wow. Crazy. So spiritual sacrifices. Let's get back to that. Spiritual sacrifices that we as a holy priesthood are called to offer up to God. All right? So I'm going to give you a few tonight. For the first spiritual sacrifice that we have a responsibility to offer up to God is, first of all, our lives. We're called to offer our lives. That's why in Romans 12.1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, watch this, to present your bodies as a living and holy As a living and holy, oh, here's this word again, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Meaning, if you're a holy priesthood, we have spiritual sacrifices to give God. And the first one we must give God is ourselves. But we have to give ourselves completely. That's why the scripture says that God jealously desires the spirit that he made to dwell in you. And right above that, it said, if you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy to God. 
He says, because he don't want part of you, he wants all of you. He says, you cannot drink the cup of Satan and come and drink the cup of God. You cannot drink from both cups. You have to decide which cup you're going to drink from. Because you can't do both. Because why? It's not acceptable. You have to decide what kingdom you're going to be a citizen of. There's no dual citizenship in the kingdom of God. You have to be a priest or you have to be someone, a priest in the light, or you have to be a human in the darkness. There is no in-between place. You got to choose one or the other. And here it says, when you choose God, we have a responsibility, a spiritual service of worship to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Living. Remember that message I did where I said when they put Isaac on the altar, Abraham bound him, tied him on the altar. That's us. We are to be bound on the altar of God. That is no longer that I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live for him. I mean, this is what God's called us to. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice to God. So have you done that? If not, we ought to. It's one of the first things we should offer ourselves, our lives to God. The next one is another spiritual sacrifice is our praise, worship, and thanksgiving. In Hebrews 13 and 15, it says, through him then, let's continually, say continually, What's the one activity that never stops in heaven? Praise and worship, right? It says, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice, say sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, praising his name. So come in, we're singing, and you're just kind of doing this while we're singing. God doesn't receive that. I'm just being real. Lips, movement, tongue, wagging. In the praises of his, whatever it is. Well, how's it go? Yours. Well, his, yours. The praise is yours. In other words, open in your mouth. So what are we doing when we come to church? As priests, we're offering up spiritual sacrifices to God. We're literally ministering to God. But Jesus said, don't let it just be with your lips. Let it be with your heart. Because the true worshipers will worship me in their deep, in the innermost being, in the truth. So in the spirit and truth, worshiping God, praising God. Why? Because we have a responsibility as priests to offer up this praise. So skipping church is skipping offering God the sacrifice of praise and worship with the rest of the believers together. Wow. This, this American gospel, this American Christianity is not Christianity. Next one, doing good works. Hebrews 13, 16. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such, what is it? Hmm. God is pleased. And so when we do good and do good works, it pleases the Lord. It's a sacrifice unto God. As a matter of fact, he says, don't hide that. Did he tell them to build the altar where someone where no one can see it? He said, no, 
build it up on this hill and let everyone see what you're doing. What is he doing? He's offering up a sacrifice to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Bible says, let the people see your good works. Because when they see your good works, they will glorify the Father who is in heaven. Wow. Priest. Priest. Don't ever say you're a laity again. Or parishioner. We are sheep, but we are not laity. We are priests. Say, I am a priest. Our resources. Philippians 4, 17 through 18. He was talking to the church here, and he said, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Ephrodias what you have sent, a fragrant aroma. Oh, here's the word again. What? A what? Pleasing to God. People all the time, they're like, oh, God loves me no matter what I do. Well, yeah, he, loves, he loved Hitler. He loves Putin. I mean, but it doesn't mean he's pleased. It's not about the people that are like, i got to somehow earn God's love, doesn't even know who God is. God already loves you. It's not about getting him to love you. He can't love you no more than he loves you now. And he never will because his love is perfect. But he can be pleased or displeased. And so the idea is to please him. Well, here it says that there's acceptable giving and there's unacceptable giving. Like we just talked about with Cain and Abel. Right? And by the way, any doctrine is always in Genesis. All, every, guys, not understand the first five books of the Bible is why some people are so, and I mean this in a, in a, uh, in a kind sense, but also in a stern sense, is the ignorance of it that, that causes people to be so deceived. The question is never stop being, did God really say this? It's the same question that everyone's asking right now. What did God really say? Well, it's easy. Open up the Bible. He said, I made them man and woman. He didn't say I've made anything in between. It's, come on, guys. And so everything in Genesis is right there for us. All right, let me keep going. Uh, here's another one, our prayers. See, you didn't realize how important your prayers are. Watch this in Revelations 5, 8 through 10. It says, when he had taken the scroll, talking about the, uh, the angel here, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Stay right there for a minute. Golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So, the, the, the cherubim, they have nothing to offer God when we're not praying. Oh, come on, someone. Because we, if we're praying then there's incense going up. Then there's incense going up when we're praying. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to break its seal. Talking about Jesus. For you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Watch this. You have made them a kingdom. And watch this. And what? And priests to our God, 
and they will reign upon the earth. Guys, there's no way you can be in doubt of who you are now. You are a priest. And just like the priests in Leviticus, we have sacrifices that we have to be offering up God that we've been going through and talking about. And there's more that we should be offering up to God. It's our reasonable service of worship that we need to be doing as priests. And we're to be proclaiming the excellence of Him who made us and who remade us. And to this new creature called a Christian, a Christ follower, holy, separated, a saint, unto God Almighty. These are the scriptures. Here's another one I like, and the reason why I have you do it all the time, lifting up our hands. Psalms 141 and 2 says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you. There's, remember Revelations? Remember what prayers are? Incense before God. I keep getting this in my spirit, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Just stay right there. Just to show you. Maybe it's just to show you. Maybe it's to help someone in here. What's the rainbow stand for today in our culture? Pride, gay, right? And so what's interesting is what did rainbow stand for in Genesis? The promises of God not to judge the earth. You know why Satan hijacked it and now has it where it's a gay pride thing and all the other acronyms is is because he's flaunting it because he's scared of what God's about to do because God said in that promise that he wouldn't flood the earth and destroy the earth so he's flaunting it saying okay we're acting this way but you promised you weren't going to destroy us you promised here's the here's the rainbow you promised you weren't going to destroy us he's literally saying God your grace, your grace, your grace. We should be able to do this in your grace. And it's a whole deception and a twisting. But it's even worse than that. Because if you read in the book of Revelations and you read in the prophets, one of the things that are at the throne of God, that's at, literally at the throne of God, at the top of the throne of God, is rainbow. And what does Satan want? Why did he rebel against God? Because he wanted to be God. Now you understand the battle here and the twisting here and how all this stuff works. I don't know why I needed to say that, but I just kept getting it. So I went ahead and said it. Amen. But here it says, then it says, the raising of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Perhaps. The power of raising your hands. Moses, when his hands were raised, they won the natural battle. When his hands drop, they lose. When the church worships like this, prays like this, we lose. When we lift up our hands, we win. That's why... That's why Paul said, when you come together, he told Timothy, he said, listen, when you come together, he said, instruct everyone that they're to lift holy hands when they pray. That they're to lift holy hands without wrath or dissension. Because if you have wrath and dissension, it, 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 it actually corrupts true worship because then it's not in spirit and truth. And so then you don't win. But when you get rid of wrath and dissension, that's why dissension is so evil. That's why it's so evil, it's so wicked. That's why it's one of the seven things that God hates is for people to cause dissension amongst each other. Because where there's dissension, then God can't move. But when you get rid of it and you lift up your hands in pureness, like David said, my hands are clean, God. And you lift it up in pureness, 
then we win. And it keeps going, and it says, what do we win? God's will is that all people will be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the next scripture. That all people, which goes back to the whole priesthood, that we're representing God to the people by declaring the excellence of who he is and what he's done on the cross for you and I, that our sins were imputed upon him, our sins came upon him so they wouldn't be upon us, and we have become holy and born again, and we are come into this priesthood to be witnesses, to be ambassadors, to represent God to a world that is in darkness, but we have come out of darkness and we are in the marvelous light. And because we are priests offering up spiritual sacrifices to God, then people will see him and know him. Wow. Wow. Stand to your feet. Lift up your hands. Come on, say, I praise the Lord God Almighty. I praise the Lord God Almighty. I give you worship, God. Come on, let your mouth declare it. Come on, just begin to declare it, everyone. In your own words, begin to declare his worship, his praise, his honor, his glory. You're worthy, oh God, you're worthy! You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God, you're worthy. Come on, you're worthy, God, you're worthy. Offer up this, this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, God. You're worthy, oh God, you're worthy. Come on, yeah. Come on, sing it. Come on. I fight my battles. Come on, lift up your hands. Open up your mouth. This is how I fight my battles. Yeah. This is how. This is how. I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. about the Levitical priests. They were told to do something. They said, start a fire on this altar and don't you dare let it go out. This is what they were told. They said, start a fire and don't you dare let that fire go out. Because on that fire is going to be offered all these sacrifices. Oh, come on. That's why we got to keep all in our lamp. Can I get an amen? That's why we got to make sure, like Jeremiah, he said, even when I didn't want to preach and proclaim the excellence of who he was, I couldn't help myself because I had something in me called the Word of God, which was like fire shut up in my bones. It was fire shut up in my bones. So what is the altar? The altar is the heart. And he says, I want a fire that is set ablaze in your heart. 
that will never go out. Come on, the Holy Ghost, how did he come? With tongues of fire, with tongues of fire. And he said, I want this fire to never go out inside of you. And I want everyone to see and let it burn. Come on, you don't light a lamp and then hide it. You light a lamp and you put it on a hill. You don't cover it up. Come on, let this fire burn. Come on, let this fire burn. Come on. Because I want more of you, God. Responsibility to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Say acceptable. I just want to tell you this as a church. We're going to a different place. We're going to a different level. And to be honest with you, some people may not come. But we're on a journey. We're not playing church. I will, I will say this. There was something that broke in the spirit room. I mean powerful. That I really, I, I, I even felt it. The demonic spirits 
have been cast off of this place. Can I get an amen? Completely. This Sunday, if you're in anxiety, the Lord, through this old donkey, is going to teach you how you can never have anxiety again. A complete peace of mind and spirit. But we're going to talk spiritual things, and we're going to talk spiritual words, and we're going to have spiritual thoughts, and we're not going to water anything down. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Pastor Sam, when, I, when you had me preach Friday night to our next generation, pretty serious stuff. But what did God do? What happened on those, those next generation people? Give me a mic. Put a mic in on it. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, a power of the Holy Spirit that came down, and, and there's some students who started sp speaking in tongues. Uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit gave them a, a spiritual tongue to speak, but what we saw, what we saw was, was, was students saying, you know what, I just, I'm just not, not just going to give my life to Christ, but I'm going to do something about it. And what we've been seeing is, I'm looking at some students right now where every, every day during lunch, uh, students are bringing Bibles to school, and they're having, they're having Bible studies during lunch. A complete shift of the Holy Spirit that's moving into the next generation. Listen to me, church. The time is near, and it is time to rise up and be the priest that God has called you to be and to proclaim the excellence of the one who brought you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Hold up, hold up, hold up. If you're not proclaiming anything, watch this. Maybe you haven't come out of darkness. When someone got healed in the Bible, they couldn't contain themselves. Even if Jesus said, don't say nothing, they said something. I mean, they just couldn't contain themselves. They're like, I, got, I just got healed. I just got touched. Let me tell you something. When you get delivered out of darkness, you can't contain yourself. You got to say something about it. I have never stopped. I've never contained myself. I constantly are telling people about the glory of the one who created us. The one who sent his son, Jesus, to save us. Come out of darkness and come into this marvelous light and be free. Not through your works, but through his. Be atoned for. Let your sins be atoned for through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you'll be clean as white as snow and you will come into the priesthood of God. Come on, lift your hands this way. You are priest unto the Lord. I empower you. Everyone in here who knows the Lord Jesus Christ and has been born again, you are a priest unto God. Now begin to walk like it. And I pray over you the priestly prayer. Bless them and keep them, Lord. Let your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them, O God, and give them peace. For I invoke your name, Almighty God, the name of Yahweh, the name of Yeshua. I invoke that name over your people. Ruach HaKadosh, Holy Spirit, teach us to be priests, real priests, the spiritual priesthood. I pray and ask this in the name of the Lord God Almighty, Yeshua HaMashiach, who is Jesus Christ, the great Messiah, and the Son of God. Can we give God praise for about 30 seconds in this place? Can we give God praise for about 30 seconds in this place? We give you praise, oh God. We lift up your name, oh God. We magnify you, oh God.
many of you glad you came to Wednesday night service? Amen. God bless you guys. I love y'all. I appreciate each and every one of y'all.